The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast and are presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Scott Reichel, and I'm joined by my usual co-host, Sam Jacob. And together, we're going to go through some of the third round here for the Australian Open. Briefly, got to give an explanation. We were going to do an episode at the beginning of every round. However, Sam and I talked about it, and we realized we didn't really like any of the matches yesterday. So figured it didn't really hurt anybody. We might as well just go through the matches for friday night or saturday morning depending on where you're located of course in on the globe but either way join with sam for friday january 20th to go through some australian open third round matches sam how's it going with you a bit of a crazy tournament so far yeah absolutely very crazy a lot of the top guys getting eliminated early here did not expect such early departures from them but uh the bracket is wide open at this point well you mentioned the 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 truth of how a lot of people have been upset let's go through the actual people that have lost already or at least are not in the tournament at this point uh so starting off you have nadal who was the pre-tournament number one uh, after alcaraz had to withdraw you had nadal losing straight sets to mcdonald he hurt his hip he's going to be out for about six weeks so we'll see how he uh, deals with that issue moving forward so he lost then everything went off the rails because casper Ruud lost to brooksby uh, after a bizarre third set, and then Rude no-showed the fourth set. I don't know what that was all about. Uh, so he ended up losing. Kyrgios, of course, got injured before the tournament. He had to withdraw. You're looking at Fritz, who lost to Papyron in five. And you had Medvedev, who lost yesterday in straight sets to Korda. Korda smacked him. Korda was having the match of his life, but still a disappointing showing for Medvedev. I believe with this loss, he fell out of the top ten. I think I heard a rumor about that. I don't know if that's true or not. I got to actually look into that. But I, I know Medvedev definitely had a disappointing showing there. Uh, either way, is there any upset or any type of early departure from a superstar? I didn't mention Zverev or Berrettini. I mean, Berrettini lost to Murray, and then you had uh, Zverev, who we didn't think highly of because it was his first Grand Slam tournament back since the injury. Is there any early elimination that really surprised you the most? Um, I mean, you hate to see Nadal go early, but he did have uh, a tough two starting matches, and we kind of knew that he was going into it a little bit um, handicapped, per se. Uh, he, he had to play Jack Draper in the first round, which was a tough matchup for him, and he was able to push through. But then you had Mackenzie McDonald, who we watched against Nakashima play unbelievably well, and he just absolutely stonewalled Nadal and was able to beat him. But uh, yeah, Medvedev losing, losing to Korda, didn't really see that one coming. Uh, I did mention earlier on in the Outrights podcast that I thought Medvedev was vulnerable, and to a guy like Sebastian Corda, I think he was vulnerable to that level, but not vulnerable to the level where he loses in three straight sets to Sebastian Corda. So that was a really big surprise. We also saw Nori go down a couple of days ago to Leshika. Um, and then who else we got here? Uh, Karina Busta went down 
immediately pretty much to Bonzi. Well, actually, the second second round to Bonzi. So, I mean, there's just a bunch of different upsets here that's very surprising. Fritz losing to Papyrin. Never saw that one coming. Of course, it's in Australia, but you just expect Fritz's level of play to be higher than someone like Papyrin's. And unfortunately, we also saw uh, Kyrgios drop out uh, before the tournament even started due to an injury. But uh, just across the board, the, the brackets open in a bunch of these quarters. And um, it's interesting to see these guys are usually not there to be there. Yeah, uh, a little bit. I'd say that I'm a little bit salty, I guess, that we ended up not covering the match because we talked about it off air. And I told you that I thought Bonzi was pretty live to beat Karenia Busta. And I forgot what that price was. What was that like 240, 220? I, I don't even know. I thought it'd be higher than that. I don't even, I don't remember. But that. that was the point. I thought the line wasn't that high at first glance. So I thought that Bonzi had a decent shot to win. And then he ended up winning that match. But yeah, I think the main shock for me would probably be Medvedev because I ended up picking him in the futures pod to win his quarter. And he looked dominant in his first two rounds. There's no hesitation there. Both of us faded Nadal from the jump. We thought that Nadal was overvalued. We didn't like the form that he was playing in in the months leading up to this event. And then he lost a set to Draper. And then he was down a set and a break to McDonald before the hip gave out. And then at that point, the match was over. But McDonald was already winning uh, relatively comfortably before that. The comeback hopes died with that injury. As for the Medvedev loss... He's officially out of the top 10. I confirmed it. He's out of the top 10. What a fall from grace. You know, he was number one in the world for a little bit, won the U.S. Open. He was uh, up two sets and had triple break point against Nadal to win back-to-back Grand Slams. And now he's out of the top 10. So definitely a sad little run here for Medvedev for the last year or so. But props to Korda for playing well. I also forgot to recap how I did on my picks for the last episode. Ended up sweeping. I had McDonald plus the seven and a half against Nadal, uh, which ended up working out because he won the match. And then I also ended up having Tommy Paul minus three and a half games against Davidovich Vakina. Not easy at all. Went five sets, won the one by the bare minimum as Paul won by four. And now he has a fun matchup against Brooksby coming up next. But Anything else you want to add? We're going to actually dive into some futures and then some matches because I feel like it is a good time to... Actually, you know what? We're probably going to do an episode tomorrow for the fourth round. You mm-hmm, want to save mm-hmm. the futures for that because half the quarters are already through the third round. The other half aren't. Um. Yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, that'd be fine. I mean, we would have everybody, every all the players on the same round at that That's point if we wait till there. You. But I, I will mention that, that I still have my underdog from the outrights. I had two at plus twelve hundred. That was Tiafo and Hercots to win the quarter because I did think both Nadal and Medvedev were vulnerable. So he has to play a tough matchup coming up against Korda after playing five sets against Shapovalov and Sonego. But we got still one alive there to win the quarter. Yeah, and Tiafo had that tough loss to Kakanov. Uh, was up 6-1 in the fourth set breaker and ended up losing the breaker. Really just a massive choke job in the tie break. But Kakanov was playing very well, very solid. And we know Tiafo is not afraid of blowing up from time to time. As for my outrights, I lost on Fritz and I lost on Medvedev. However, I do have a couple that are still alive at big prices. And it's actually the fourth quarter that's done well for me. Because I gave out Batista Agut at around 14 to 1, and I gave out JJ Wolf at an even larger price. And right now, they're the two favorites to actually win the fourth quarter. So that could be a massive payout. Would pretty much cover all my bets if they end up, one of them wins the fourth quarter. 
Besides that, I'm trying to remember what else I liked. Did we take Sinner in the end? In the second quarter? I don't remember well, if we did or not. That's who we preferred to take um, out of that second quarter. But I think we do have third quarter and fourth quarter outrights up right now, which I think we should talk about given that uh, we have I those see, matches I see all coming four up tonight. Quarters, actually, that are still up. Yeah. But the first and second are already through to the final four. So quarter now being the favorite to win the first quarter just tells you where the actual draw is at there. Second quarter is relative chalk. You have, Le- you have Leshika in there, but it's still Sitsipas, Felix, and Sinner. So nothing's really changed. Just pick your preference. And the third quarter, the fourth quarter is wild. The fourth quarter, Batista Good went from 14 to 1 to being favored. The third quarter, everyone's there, but that's kind of going to segue us into the actual match breakdowns uh, because we got to talk about Djokovic. And even though a lot of his strong competition is now out of the tournament because of losses or injuries, he's been battling the hamstring. And we mentioned it going into the tournament. Uh, that was an issue entering that exhibition match against Kyrgios, which in hindsight, potentially a horrible idea because both guys got injured in potentially that match. But either way, he shouldn't have done it. Either way, point is Djokovic is still alive. He didn't look good in the second round. Ended up losing a set to Kakaud, and he was a massive favorite. He was around minus 10,000. And Djokovic losing a set there. I don't know what that plus price was, but it had to have been huge. I got to assume Djokovic to win in straight sets had to have been, what, around like minus 350, minus 400 probably? Something up there. And he ended up losing a tie break. He rallied. Kakad got injured, and he fell apart in the last two sets. But Djokovic has made some cryptic quotes to the press about the hamstring, basically saying it's not good at all. He said that him and his doctors are going to do whatever they can to make sure that he can keep playing. But he did state that he has not been able to practice since he got to Australia. So he has not been using the practice courts at all because he physically is unable to. Scale from 1 to 10, what's the concern level at for for your opinion on Djokovic's either outrights to win the tournament, outrights to win the quarter, or even just to potentially beat Dimitrov in the match tonight? It's an right down the middle five for me because we've seen Djokovic battle injuries in the past and uh, battled fatigue in these grand slams and just pushed through and and won these tournaments. But at the same time, you got to think at what point in Djokovic's career will he not be able to do that? Because we see uh, in any of these veteran guys, you reach a certain age, you reach a certain point in your career, and there's some injuries you just can't come back from or you can't finish a tournament from. We're seeing that right now with Nadal. Uh, in the past, we've seen Nadal push through uh, these type of injuries, but you know he's getting up there in age at this point, and there's these injuries that you just can't get past, and he has to be done with it. So I think it's a right-down-the-middle five for me uh, because there's Djokovic pushing through in the past, but also like... Is he at that point where he can't? It's very, very tough to say. But when listening to the press conference, he did say there's two way, two ways to go about this with my injury. There's either go and be done or push through and keep going. And what I'm doing now is keep keep going. But um, it's all about middle of the match and how he's going to be feeling in the middle of each match because of the no practice going on um, to save his energy and possibly save him from retiring due to an injury and not overstraining it. So I'm at a five flip coin flip right now. So I'll give my number in a second, but I'm going to ask you this. He's minus 200 to win the quarter. Djokovic is, 
I don't want to say unlucky because a lot of his strong competition is gone from the tournament. However, his quarter has remained pretty much where it started with Djokovic, Rune, Rublev, Diminor, Dimitrov, and Evans still alive. So the third quarter is pretty much at full strength compared to where it was when the tournament started. Do you think Djokovic will win the quarter at minus 200? Let's start there. Well, I can't even say that he's unlucky talking about his opponents because uh, – if we go back to our uh, outright uh, podcast, we still had Curios in there. And yeah. he immediately I forgot to even, that, that is correct. I forgot to mention Curios. That is correct. So he actually he just, got fortunate. He doesn't have to face Curios in the quarters, but he still right. has Rune and Rublev. So, yes, thank you for correcting me. That is true. Um, I mean, he also got Karina Busta uh, out of there, but he probably wasn't going to face him down the line anyway. Uh, but I can't really say that she's in an unfortunate position here. I think that it's really a battle of the injury. I don't think anyone here in this quarter or really left in the tournament can really battle him if both at full strength, even if Djokovic was at 75%, but he might be at something a little bit lower than that at this point. So um, I think it's really about the injury and how he could battle it moving forward throughout these matches. For me, this seems very similar because we've talked, you just mentioned how he's battled through injuries in the past and he's won Grand Slams anyway. This reminds me a lot of his U.S. Open final loss to Medvedev when he was going for the calendar Grand Mm -hmm. Slam. Mm -hmm. Very similar Mm -hmm. because in pretty much every round leading up to the final, including the final actually, he lost the first set. You could tell he wasn't at 100%. He lost a set to Rune before Rune was known as being a guy. He lost to Rune when he was a relative unknown. He lost a set. He lost the first set to Brooksby. He had to go in a marathon match against Zverev. He looked like he was well below 100. And eventually, I've mentioned it before, the star star players like Nadal in his prime and Djokovic, etc., are able to overcome having to play marathon matches early in rounds. I think it's going to catch up to Djokovic. I probably would not pick him to win the tournament right now. But the question is, as you said before, when will it officially start to catch up with him? Be careful of Dimitrov. That's all I'm going to say. Now, Dimitrov in his career is 1-9, heads up against Djokovic. Not surprising, as Djokovic has a winning record against everybody besides basically Kyrgios and Yuri Vesely, I think, is like the main two that have a winning record over him right now. But... I have to at least acknowledge the fact that the last couple of hardcourt matches, albeit a couple years ago, but Djokovic was still in his prime then, Dimitrov's been competitive. And I think that based on what we've seen from Dimitrov and how he hasn't dropped a set yet, he didn't drop four games in a set against, uh, or he didn't drop more than four games in a set against Dejir in the second round. He was on the court for an hour and a half. Djokovic was on the court for three hours, and he had his leg wrapped, and he can't practice, and there's a lot of stuff going on. We'll start off with this match, and we'll get back to some of the quarter stuff, but I think we're going to save most of the quarter stuff for uh, the next episode. Seven and a half games. Do you think Mm -hmm. that's a good number? Because we just saw it with Nadal. Yes, he got more injured as the match went on, but we knew that he wasn't 100%, and we thought McDonald, we talked about it off air. I mentioned it on air as my dog. I thought seven and a half or eight or eight and a half was way too big of a spread, and Nadal got smacked. Now, I'm not saying that Djokovic is going to get smacked here, but do you think seven and a half is a fair spread based on the head-to-head success, or do you think it's a little bit large because it's solely based on Djokovic's reputation? Um, I think it's a it's a little bit big, 
And I think um, on the side of Dimitrov here, the plus seven and a half is a more favorable number for him compared to the minus seven and a half for Djokovic. Reason being, you know, we've seen Djokovic uh, be able to win these sets 6-3, 6-1, 6-0 even. Uh, But the only thing is, is I think that no matter what, not not really no matter what, but I think that we see in this match a Dimitrov winning at least a set. And if he wins at least a set, we're looking at a decent cover of plus seven and a half, uh, no matter how you slice it. You know, I don't think uh, Djokovic is really going to be going um, real big, like compared to Kakad and Karbayas Mania here, because Dimitrov's a better quality player than both of those guys so even if dimitrov is able to pull off a set i definitely think that the plus seven and a half will will get there yeah and you mentioned that you think it's somewhat likely that he wins a set dimitrov's actually favored to win a set i believe he's minus 120 to win a mm-hmm. set so people are expecting a, ma- a bit of a marathon here or at least uh some a competitive match that should go more than three you could take the set at minus 120 i don't mind it but the seven and a half also gives you insurance if Dimitrov loses some competitive sets, if he loses mm-hmm. a tiebreak or two, if he loses six four, six four, six three, you still win. So right. seven and a half is a large number because Dimitrov just needs to remain close. He doesn't even need to really do anything besides winning four games per set. And I think that he's capable of doing that. Now, Djokovic, as you said, has had a couple of blowout sets. In fact, he won the closeout set in the first two rounds, six nothing. But we're talking about Baina, who's a clay guy, and Kakaud, who's also a relative clay guy. And yet, I, I don't think any of them are comparable to Dimitrov because Dimitrov is A, in great form, B, been a top 20 guy for most of his career, and C, we know Dimitrov, based on historical numbers, he hasn't won matches against Djokovic, but he's been competitive. You look at those he- matches on a hard court, he's had a fair share of three set matches out of three. He's won a fair share of sets against Djokovic. I think his style of play with his current form can really bring Djokovic into trouble. And I think Djokovic will probably win. I'm not saying Dimitrov's going to win, but I do think he's good enough based on current form and the fact that he was only on the court for an hour and a half in the second round. I think Djokovic might punt the set. That's a possibility. He might have a couple injury timeouts, but the healthier guy who's in good form getting seven and a half against an injured player, I think it's a great deal. To answer my original question, by the way, I got the concern at an eight. I think it's a problem. I think it's a serious problem. It would be a five if this started to flare up in the quarters. But the fact that he had the hamstring injury before the tournament and the fact that now it's a serious problem and we're only in round three, I got to give it an eight. He's got a lot of matches to go. It's a lot of mm-hmm. mileage he's got to put on that hamstring. Yeah, I can understand that, but uh, it's just seeing Djokovic, who I think is the GOAT, overcome injuries in the past. It's just like I feel like time and time again, I'm like, I'm scared. Uh, Maybe Djokovic is a little hurt here. Uh, He's not going to do it. And then he pulls it off like constantly. Well, that's why I compared to the U.S. Open run, because he was injured clearly early on. He he kept dropping sets to people beneath him. And I thought, you know, he's going to pull it off, calendar grand slam, a lot of fun. And then Medvedev swept him. He won 3 0. I just, I think Djokovic is good enough, obviously, as the best player of all time, in my opinion, to still overcome and beat a Rublev or a Rune or, you know, some of these other guys. I just think if I had to pick right now between Djokovic and the field, and Djokovic is plus 110, I'm probably laying like 130 with the field. 
at this point. Yeah, I think I saw earlier something like a minus 150 with, um, it was like a big guns play, Djokovic and Medvedev with Medvedev already out. So the opposite was minus 150. I, I, I just think that looking at his current form, I would rather bet on anybody else to win but Djokovic as opposed to taking the 110 right now. Do you think there's value on the 110? Because I really don't with a solid number of quality players left in his quarter and the injuries here. I know he's the goat and all. 110? He could he could he could walk over. Like we saw Nadal quit in Wimbledon because his injury was so bad. Of course, that was an abdomen injury and he had to miss a couple months. You get my point though. If he withdraws, you lose. Like I said, I think it's at a it's at a coin flip situation in my opinion. So I mean having to go through all these guys and having that as a coin flip at plus 110, it does scare me at this point. So I would probably just stay away from it and go for a longer shot because of all these upsets that's happening as well. Yeah, but uh, I do think that since we covered the third quarter, uh, well, I am going to ask because we I guess we can cover the third and fourth and reevaluate tomorrow because half these people will be eliminated. Uh, if you had to pick one person for the third for the third quarter right now, Djokovic minus 200, Rune plus 225, Rublev plus 750, Diminor at 10 to 1, uh, Dimitrov at 18 to 1, and Evans at 40 to 1. Who do you think has the most value? Mm, uh, it's really tough given Djokovic's state right now. I'm not taking uh, 200 on Djokovic. That I'm not doing. He- yeah, no, minus two hundred doesn't doesn't make sense with Djokovic's state right now. I think it's ridiculous that the prices that they're putting on Holger Rune, um, uh, he has to get low, through. You mean? Yeah, plus two twenty five. He has to get through these guys still, and he's he's not like a guy that's we've seen be consistently great uh, on tour yet. So I I'm gonna go with a plus seven fifty with Rublev because we know he's probably the most talented of all these guys that are left. Um, uh, uh, Demon Nauer also has the Australian aspect of it, but uh, Rune, I think, is a, a ridiculously priced option at plus 225, so I'm going to go with either Rublev or Demon Nauer, and I'm thinking more on the Rublev side, because we've seen him be have that talent. Although he has been very volatile, he does have the talent behind him. I'm assuming the reason why the price is so big, the difference between Rune and Rublev is the fact that Rune A, beat Djokovic a couple months ago, in the Paris mm. Masters, so he does have the recent head-to-head win. B's against Umber in the third round. Rublev has Evans. Now, Rublev is a favorite, as he should be. He's around minus 300, give or take. The head-to-head, though, is 4-4 between these two mm-hmm. guys. So Evans has had some success. Uh, now, for Grand Slams, it hasn't really applied because they've only played in the 2-out-of-3 format, at least as far as I can tell. But the point is... A lot of it has to do with how easy the opponent is for Rune. Because I think we both agree Umber is going to get his ass kicked. Can we agree on that? Like, good for him for beating Gasquet and for making it this far. Got lucky he had to face off against Kudla or Sifiulin because Kyrios had to withdraw. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we're just penciling, or I'm just going to put it in pen. Rune is going to win, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not giving Umber a shot. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking at the Rublev-Evans match. I think Evans can give him a run. I think Rublev's going to win, but I do think that you're looking at a match that could be very competitive, and since Rublev is on bigger upset alert than Rune, that might explain the differential in odds. Yeah, it's also, um, from what I'm seeing here, 
uh, a matter of when you think Djokovic is going to go down, because if you don't think he's going to go down, you think he's going to win the quarter. So there's really no point. But if it, it depends on when you think he's going to go down, because Demon Hour, he has a matchup against Bonzi where he's a minus 450 favorite um, at this point. And then he would have to play Djokovic if he moved on against Dimitrov. So it's a, it's a matter of, do you think Djokovic will get there? Do you think Djokovic will get injured while playing Demon Hour? Uh, where you think Djokovic is going to be? Because we see a big difference between Demon Hour at plus 1,000 and Rune at plus 225, which if they both matched up, I think would be pretty close in odds. Yeah, uh, I'm really tempted to take a stance with Demon or with Dimitrov. Because I'll let Rublev and Rune just kill each other on the court, and I'll try to get the easier side of Djokovic is banged up. Mm-hmm. I feel like Diminor is a horrible matchup for an injured Djokovic, not because of the fact that Djokovic isn't good enough to beat him, but the last thing you want to do when you have an injured hamstring is play a bunch of 30-shot rallies. That's the last thing you want to do, and I think that Diminor with the crowd behind him, I think would be able to really put a lot of pressure on Djokovic's hamstring by prolonging pretty much every point imaginable and trying to become a brick wall. I think Diminor might actually have value at 10 to 1. I'm yeah. not saying, I don't think he's going to beat Djokovic. You can probably shop around and find a price better than 10 to 1. But do you think there's value because Rune and Rublev will eliminate each other? And if Djokovic really doesn't improve health-wise, Diminor, I think, is going to be Bonzi. Let's put it that way. He's up 2-1 in the head-to-head. He has the crowd behind him. It's a good story and all. I think 10 to 1 is value. Yeah, I think that's my selection. I think it's going to be Demon Hour at 10 to 1. It's just it's just good odds, you know. If we think you're obviously picking these guys cuz you think Djokovic is going to go down at some point. It's a difference between Djokovic going down after Demon Hour and Djokovic going down if he played Demon Hour or that round. So at 10 to 1, it's definitely that I think has the most value compared to anybody else. And I wanted to make you have a good hedging for- opportunity if he even gets the if he has to play Rune, you have a good hedging opportunity because you have 10 to 1 at this point. I am curious what those odds would be because Rune would obviously be favored, but I assume it'd be what, 250? Uh, I think it'd be Maybe. close given that Demon Hour has the home crowd. Yeah, but I just think Rune is a top 10 guy, so they probably price him accordingly because in order to get there, he's probably beating Rublev. So I think that he'd enter it off a big high profile win and that would probably cause him to be in the minus 200 range, but still. But could that match go five? Maybe. It could. Definitely true. Uh, we could argue that the meet, uh, that, uh, Diminor's match against Djokovic could go 5-2 if they were playing against each other and Diminor ended up winning. Uh, I don't know. If, if if he beats Djokovic, aren't we looking at something where Djokovic is worn down and then he's had enough? Yeah, potentially. Uh, I found I found 11-1 to one on Diminor. I'll take that. I think there's value there. Uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for the quarter, though. Uh, do you want, yeah, I guess we'll go through the fourth quarter, then, then we'll go through some yeah, actual matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the fourth quarter... My guys at the top with Agut and J.J. Wolf. Uh, quick uh, victory lap for me for our disagreement on Wolf versus Schwartzman. Uh, he gave it a hell of a run. I believe Wolf Cooked won in them. straight sets. Yeah, he just he destroyed. <laughs> I, I I mean, I once again, I'm not going to take a victory lap that hard because I lost Medvedev and Fritz. So I lost two of my outrights already, and those are my lock and dog for the future episodes. I think Schwartzman's just done. I, I mean, I, I, I nothing's really going to change my stance on it. I love him as a player and all, but I was not surprised that Wolf beat him comfortably. Let's put it that way. But what about a little clay the, action for him? I really think it's a physical issue for Schwartzman. <laughs> at this point. I, I really think it's a physical issue. I, I, I just think that he's not the guy he once was. But either way, 
Uh, we'll see what happens in clay season for Schwartzman. But for the actual odds for the fourth quarter, you have a Goot at plus 275. You have J.J. Wolf at 4-1. to one. You have Paul at 450. Papyron at 550. Brooksby at 6-1. to one. Murray at 650, Shelton at 9-1, to one, and Momoa at 16-1. to one. So as you can tell, these odds are all over the place in terms of how close this quarter is because the top six guys are 650 or lower. So I'll ask you this. You have to find value on one or two guys. I'll let you pick two because there's a lot of choices that are close to each other. Do you th- First of all, do you think Batista Agut should be favored after he went five against Holt? And second of all, do you think that there's any value on any of these guys uh the uh, the guy that i like the most to to win the to win the quarter is batista goot and the reason being is because i think his side of the bra- of the fourth quarter is very very tough but the only thing is he has to beat Andy Murray, who just went five sets twice. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Batista Guz has a little bit more stamina in him left than Andy Murray. So I think Batista Guz can be able to handle that situation. So then the matchup after that between either Tommy Paul or Brooksby is going to be the only matchup, really, that I see him having a really, really tough time where I think that he it will not be favored, maybe. Um, after that, he has to play the likes of Papyron or Shelton or JJ Wolf or Mimo, which are none of the guys that are veterans and have the experience like Bautista Goot. So at plus 275, when I already see him advancing it uh, against Andy Murray, I think is the best play. But if you're giving me two guys, that's my number one. And then I'm going to go on the top side of the, of the fourth quarter. And I'm going to go with, well, JJ Wolf has plus 400. I'm going to go with JJ Wolf here, plus 400. Uh, he only had to play four sets. Um, against Thompson and three, then he destroyed Schwartzman, so he should be okay in terms of stamina right now. And he he has to play Michael Momo, which I don't think will be too difficult. American versus American, unfortunately, but I think he'll be able to get past that. And then it'll be Papyron or Shelton, two guys that you know aren't of the best quality. Uh, yet, yet they still have a lot of room to grow. Both of them, both young guys. Um, but I like JJ Wolf to advance from those four guys, and then have to play whoever he has to play in the quarterfinal, and have plus four hundred behind me. Yeah. So those are the two guys I gave out pre-tournament. So I got much better odds than the current ones. So I don't really have to take a stance here. I took a good for the value at fourteen to one at the time, and Wolf I just think's a good player. And he's shown it. He ended up actually kicking the crap out of Batista Agut, coincidentally, in the U.S. Open. He ended up beating him in straight sets. So I'm gonna. I think those two guys have a great chance here. If I had to really just ignore my initial two picks and go with another option, I think I probably would lean Papyron if I had to pick one. I don't feel great about any of the other options. First of all, to mention the Batista Agut and Murray situation there because they have a match coming up. Uh, it's 3-3 in the head-to-head. However, it's misleading because Murray beat him in 2014, 2015, and 2016. And then 2019, they played in the uh, fir- uh, first round, actually, of the Australian Open. And Agut won in five sets. They played twice in 2022 on hard court. They played in Doha, which was one of the biggest ass-kickings I've ever seen Murray take. Agut beat him 6-0, 6-1. And then they played in Basel, and Agut beat him in the round of 16, 6 3, 6 2. So they've played three straight times on hard court since 2019, two times in 2022, and Agut's won each match. 
So I think he's going to beat Murray. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be a four or five setter, but I do think Agut is too fundamentally sound. And it wasn't even about the five sets because Agut also went five. It was the fact that Murray's match ended at roughly four in the morning and the match took four took five hours and 45 minutes. Five hours and 45 minutes. I think he's going to be absolutely gassed. I, I think that Agut has a good spot to beat Murray, so I'm not going to pick him despite the phenomenal run so far. I can't pick Paul or Brooksby because that's a pure coin flip match, and I don't know who's going to win that one. I think Papyron should beat Shelton. Shelton's looked pretty good. Had a five-setter against Shang in the first round and then beat Jari. I'm not a Jari guy at all. I had the over in that match. Jari killed me because he just couldn't win a damn set. But Jari's an unforced error machine. I thought Shelton was fine, but Jari just handed away a bunch of free points. Papyron, with the crowd behind him, he just beat Fritz. If I had to pick any guy left based on the current number, I would pick Papyron, but I'm not picking anybody because I already have a Goot and Wolf pre-tournament. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. So how about we uh, break down some of these matches and then everything will come together. Yeah, so going through the matches, I think we'll go back to the actual third quarter first. Uh, we already mentioned our thoughts on the Dimitrov-Jokovic match. I think we both agree on Dimitrov plus 7.5 and a half and, jo- and a Dimitrov plus 2.5 sets. Do we agree on that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so moving on from there, uh, sticking with that quarter, we mentioned that we think Rune is going to probably dominate against Umber. You have any objection there? No, I, I got nothing there. Okay. Uh, the interesting match here to start off, I think, is going to be Rublev against Evans because I mentioned the head-to-head is tied, and I mentioned that Evans has given Rublev recent issues on hardcore as he actually beat him in Canada in 2022. Looking at the actual spread and the overall total for this match, Rublev is the favorite, as I said before, pretty hefty favorite at minus 340. The games are around five or five and a half. Uh, the over-under is 37 and a half. Evans to win a set is around minus 200. Evans and the over three and a half sets is minus 145. Do you think Rublev wins in straight sets or do you think Evans takes one? Because I'm looking at that three and a half sets at minus 145. I'm pretty tempted by it. I think that's probably where I'm going. Um, Minus three and a half sets, you said? No, the over three and a half sets is minus 145. Yeah, over three and a half. Yeah, no, I think Evans takes a set uh, in this one for sure. We've seen Rublev be quite volatile throughout uh, the past year or so. And I think Evans has a good chance of even getting two sets on him. I'm looking at the plus five and a half here at minus 130. And that, that is, that's what I would take in this match. I think Rublev, he has the chance to, you know, win a set six one, but I could see him also having a chance to do the exact opposite and losing it set six one. So I don't really see such a dominating performance. And when I don't think that's going to happen, I'm going to go with the underdog with the spread, especially especially in this tournament with how we've seen things like play out. So plus five and a half minus minus one thirty is probably where I'm going. Yeah. I think I'm just going to take the sets there. Rublev. We know commits a bunch of unforced errors because he constantly tries to just ET is such a powerful, just shot from both sides, but especially the forehand we saw it in, I believe it was DC when we saw Rublev get smacked by Nishioka. Same mm-hmm. strategy. Keep the ball in play. Let Rublev hit the ball all over the court, and you'll potentially win because Rublev can't keep it in play. And I think Evans is going to stick to it. Evans is a very, very good pusher. He will not give you anything. He might not be the most talented player, 
but he will make you earn every single point that you win. And I think with the unforced error history of Rublev, you're looking at a spot where Evans could make this very interesting, which is also why I stayed away from Rublev in the quarter market. I'm going to go with the over three and a half sets. You're going to go with Evans plus three and a half games. We're basically on the same boat. Five and a half. Oh, sorry, five and a half. Sorry. Uh, but I, I think we're basically on the same page. We think that Rublev wins, but probably in four or five. Yeah, Rublev, he's ha- he has the great talents and his talent. It, the talent is definitely there, but he's he's got to get it together. And I, in this match, individual match like this, uh, I got to go on the other side. Yeah, uh, but looking at some of the other matches here, we talked about Rune before against Umber. Uh, do you want to make a case for the... I see Rune minus two and a half sets as plus 130. Really? Plus 130? Yeah, it's not... That's not bad, given the fact that um, Rune in his past couple of uh, matches already in this tournament, three nothing, three nothing. So yeah, and he's a top, he's a top ten guy. So Umbeer once again hasn't played anybody. He beat Gasquet, uh, which I was wrong about. I leaned to Gasquet in that, and I know Gasquet just won a tournament. You could also argue it worked against him because he was exhausted, and then he beat a lucky loser in Kudla in the second round. So he's going from an aging Gasquet who might have been fatigued. To a lucky loser, to a top ten player in the world, I'm I'm loving this. I just I just saw this uh, a over under sixteen and a half player total games for Humbear the under at sixteen and a half. Even if he wins a set and gets six games there, he's going to have to get to eleven more. Yeah, I got I got to like the under sixteen and a half there minus one fifteen. I think so too because Rune we know is also very good at returning. And he's not afraid to put pressure on opposing ser- opponent service games. You could see a six-two set here. We know Umber is also a very volatile player who likes to go for broke a lot. There is a chance he just starts spraying it for an entire set, and he ends up losing a set six-two. Right, and and then uh, if even if Umber wins a set, Rune could easily win the rest of the match six-four, six-four, six-two, like you said, and then the under would hit. Yeah, uh, so I agree with that. The plus 130 for the sets, though, I think is pretty appealing for Rune. I think that's a very good deal. Uh, But looking at the other matches, time to get into the marathon matches involving Americans. You have the... uh, This this match might take four and a half hours. Uh, You got Brooksby against Tommy Paul. Paul is the favorite right now around minus 130, minus 140. Brooksby's plus 120. Uh, the game spreads one and a half on each side, uh, and the over-under is 39 and a half. First of all, is the most shocking outcome in this match a straight-set victory by anybody? Because I just don't see that happening. Well, I mean, we've seen Brooksby uh, in his last matchup against Nori kind of uh, putting... Against a very Rudin. little amount against of Rudin. against Rude, sorry, yeah. yes, a very little amount of pace on the ball compared to what we usually or typically can see in an ideal fashion from Brooksby. And if Tommy Paul is able to take advantage of it, I wouldn't be so surprised to be honest with you. I think Tommy Paul um, really is getting great odds in this matchup, where uh, Brooksby is is dealing with a little something. Over there, I don't know if it's his legs or what what it may be, but we saw him slow down dramatically in that rude match. A uh, rude, yeah, match, and Rude shouldn't have even won a set in that one. Yeah, and he was he, able to pull it off by breaking him at the last opportunity that he could, and then winning the set. I think Tommy Paul might be able to overcome or be able to take advantage of what Brooksby has going on over there. I think minus one thirty five is a great deal. 
I'm not exactly worried that much about Brooksby because even though he punted the third set after being up 5-2 and the fatigue was a serious issue, he destroyed Rude as soon as they came out for the fourth set, so he definitely responded well. We know Tommy Paul's fitness, though, is a lot better than Brooksby's, and I think that could be an issue as the match progresses. I agree with you about Tommy Paul winning. I think Paul's the better player, and I do think that it was concerning that Paul couldn't exactly serve well against Fakina, and he... There were, I think it was most of the second set where neither guy could serve. I think you're going to see a lot of breaks in this match. I think Paul's better. I think he's more dynamic, but I think you'll see a war. I see this going four or five. I think Paul probably sneaks it out, but I can't even take the over under in games because you might see a couple of six one sets in here and I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I just, for just to um, point out against Rude, if Rude was playing at Anywhere near he should be, Rude should have taken over the match. I just think Rude just did not play well and could not hit the ball uh, properly as he should have been. So I think Tommy Paul, I mean, I think the Brooksby win over Rude wasn't as, you know, impressive great of a performance yeah. or impressive, right, as it should have been. So I, I think Tommy Paul uh, should be a little bigger favorite than minus 135 just and just to look at the head ted by the way they did play in 2022 there's one career meeting they played in cincinnati which was a hard court tournament and tommy paul did win six three six two i'm trying to remember if that was an immediate match after brooksby lost the final to diminure i'm trying to think if that was the match after so fatigue could have been an issue there uh but i Brooksby ended up losing in straight sets in the only head-to-head -head meeting last year. Uh, now to move over into... Uh, so wait, so your favorite play is just going to be Tommy Paul Moneyline, basically? Maybe my favorite play. I didn't get to that stage. No, yet. no, I'm saying in that match. Yes. Okay, sorry, I should have specified. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, moving on to the other American match, you have Momoa taking on Wolf. Wolf is a decent favorite here at minus 280. Uh, Momoa had a nice win there against Verev in four. Zverev might have been compromised physically, still rusty, but either way, he did what he needed to do, won the last three sets. Uh, so Wolf is favored by five games, over-under is 37 and a half. Uh, looking at the head-to-head, -head, Wolf has owned him historically. I don't believe owned he's him. ever dropped a set against Wolf. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think Wolf's ever dropped it's a set not. against Momoa. Uh, let me just see if I could pull this up. No, he, he hasn't. He hasn't, and each, and in he played, they played against each other other in two matches then the scores have been 6-3-6-2 and 6-2-6-2 so talk about domination against one guy he's, he's absolutely destroyed him yeah one meeting was in 2019 the other one was in vegas actually in 2021 uh but wolf has dominated and props to momoa for getting here he went five sets at the comeback from two sets down in the first round beat a, a zverev that went five sets or four sets or five sets against various five i think he went five against various uh, so Varese is a clay guy, not good on hard courts. You can, you knew that Zverev wasn't exactly in tip-top form. I think Wolf's a hell of a player. I, I've talked about him on this show several times. I've given him out as a long shot several times. I got him to win the quarter in this event. So I think you know where I'm going here. I think Wolf wins comfortably. I think if you want to look for some value here, Wolf minus one and a half sets is around minus 150. Wolf minus two and a half sets is plus 180. I think there's a lot of value to be found in the set markets here. I just think Wolf's the much better player. 
I'm going with the player prop again, and Momo player total games won over under 17.5 at that under 17.5, minus 120. Like I said before, he could win a set, and then at this one, he would have to win 13 more more games to actually get there uh, if he wins a set with a 6 uh, win in in that set. And I just think that's too much against a guy like J.J. Wolf, who's been absolutely dominant against him. And we could see a set go 6-2 easily, given the fact that the previous matches have been 6-3, 6-2, and 6-2, 6-2. So an under 17.5 on the player prop is where I'm going. Yeah, uh, but I'm trying to think of any other matches that we want to cover. Bonzi Diminor, we think Diminor is going to win. Uh, I saw one and a half sets was like minus 170. I really don't see much I like in that match. I feel like that there's not much value on Diminor. Because I, I could mm-hmm. see Bonzi winning a set or two. I just think Diminor with the crowd behind him is going to wear him down eventually. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. So I don't have many thoughts on that one. Uh, two more matches to go through, though. We have the Murray-Batista-Goot match, which I mentioned before. Goot has dominated the last couple of head-to-head meetings. But the question is where the value might lie, because Goot is laying five and a half games. The over-under is 36 and a half. He's minus 300 on the money line. Uh, minus one and a half sets for a good is roughly minus 160. Do you see anything you like in this match for value? Because I'm try- I I think a good's going to win, but I don't see much from a value standpoint. Do you? You must not be looking at what I'm looking at because I see tremendous value. Uh, I'm Bautista Goot not to face a break point plus 20,000. Plus 20,000. They start the match. Andy Murray gets hurt. Too fatigued. Game over. Plus 20,000 cash, you're now a millionaire. I'm assuming that uh, A, that prop either doesn't exist, or B, uh, you're, I'm assuming <laughs> you're A, that prop... You're saying I'm completely making that up? I'm saying I've never seen a player to not face a break point in a match as a prop before. I've never seen I, that in my life. I'm looking at it. I am looking at it as we speak. Okay, so let's assume that you're telling the truth. <laughs> I, I mean... <laughs> I, mean, I don't even know what the, I don't know what to say about to that, you know. All right, all jokes aside, all I'm jokes assuming aside, that if that actually would happen and he got hurt, they just wouldn't pay you. They'd give you, they'd probably give you a refund if I had to guess. I don't think they'd pay you. Well, no, you. that's not how this works, though. That's not the rules. The oh, you think the, the, rules you think the sports books want to pay you? Not to face a break point if the if the guy starts the match, it's live. It's that's, not that's like usually, the other that, thing. That's usually for. Money line stuff for spreads. They won't the pay you here. if the guy gets injured. That's what I'm saying. I, I think they loophole you. That's that's what. This I, is I, not I a spread guess. though. This is not a spread. Or oh, I'm aware that it's not a spread. A point. It's just not to face a break point. And if Murray goes down in the first service game, he wouldn't face a break point. Okay, look, you're you're betting in fantasy land over there. I don't know what to tell you. Okay, like I, that sounds like a made up prop, but I'm gonna take your word for it. Um, when I could bet a dollar to win two hundred bucks on this, you'll see me do it. Okay. You got ten dollars to win two grand if you want, but either way, um, I'm just going to ask you though for the actual spread and total and sets. Do you see anything in this match? Because I'm kind of leaning to the over. I I think Murray's going to win a set. I I just even though Agut has dominated the last two matches, Murray was struggling physically at at, at that point in 2022. And Batista Agut has won in Doha before. That's arguably his best tournament. So I'm not shocked that he got steamrolled there. I think Murray's can... I, I like the form he's in. Now, he was down two sets and 5-2, one break to Kokonakis, and he ended up coming back and winning. That's not exactly ideal that he trailed that badly against Kokonakis. 
I saw Holt take two sets off of a goot. I think Same Murray way. can take a set here. Like I think that the over under a thirty set thirty six and a half, you could see a six two set, which could be annoying. You could also see a breaker where both guys break one time in a match and you end up going to a breaker anyway. Thirty six and a half. I feel like that's too low. I'm gonna go with the over. Yeah, something scared. Just I think Batista Good is the better player, and I think he's going to come out the victor in this and match. And fatigue is priced but, in. I, I just need one set of Murray showing resiliency and actually just winning the match or winning a set. Yeah, That's really all I need. Yeah, and Batista faced Brandon Holt and uh, in the same exact fashion that Andy Murray faced Bert, uh, Kokonakis, um, where he was down two sets and had to come back and win three straight sets, which is very, very tiring on him. So I can understand if Murray, if you think Murray is going to win a set or be able to get to some breakers here, it makes perfect sense to me. I just think at the end of the day, Batista Gu is going to advance. So I, I don't really have much value on this match. I see three and a half sets. The over is 140. If you want to take that mm-hmm. instead of the 36 and a half, I think I'd rather just sacrifice the 30 cents, to be honest with you, and just take the over. But you could take that too. I don't think that Murray's going to get swept, and I definitely don't think he's sweeping a goot. I think it's going to be a, a bit of a marathon. Uh, I, I think that even though both guys won five, a goot's match took significantly less time based on the actual time on court. So I think that'll be the story as the match progresses. I could see Murray winning the first set. I could see him getting a decent start. So I like the over. I think you'll see a competitive match. Uh, All but- I'm doing is I'm taking the $5. I'm gonna, instead of putting it on some scratchers, I'm putting it on the plus 20000 so. Well, you went from $1 to $5. So you're already five times your wager in the last three minutes. Uh, but we got one match yeah, left not- to talk about. Yeah, I'm, I'm no slouch. I'm no slouch. Okay. Either way, you know, you can do that, play the Powerball, do something. Either way, uh, looking at the final I just told match, you I'm doing that. I'm saying you can do that, or you know, do the Powerball. <laughs> same thing. Your odds of winning this are higher than the Powerball. I mean, the math does check go. out there. So, looking at the final match that we didn't talk about yet, you have Shelton against Papyron. Papyron is a favorite, as he should be, because he has the home crowd behind him, and he just beat Fritz. You're looking at the actual money line and the. Uh, total here, it is pretty much even. Papyrin is a favorite, slightly. Uh, but I believe money has come in on Papyrin in this match. He's minus 160 now. I think he was minus 125 last night, and now he's at minus 160. Uh, but he did go five sets. You could argue about fatigue. Shelton won in straight sets against Jari. I like Shelton. I know that Stone is rooting for Shelton because that's Stone's favorite player. But... Shout out to Stone, by the way. Hope you're listening to the show. But I got to go with Papyrin here. I, I think the home crowd is going to help him. And Shelton hasn't beaten anybody. Like I don't think Jari is a good player. I think that I thought he was good enough to win a set or keep it close, and he did. It went two tiebreakers and then seven five. But Papyrin is a better player than the two guys that Shelton's faced up to this point, and Papyrin just beat a top ten guy. I think I got to go Papyrin here. You. Uh, yeah, I think that it's definitely going to go at least four sets. I don't have the odds exactly with the over three and a half. I don't think it's that great. The tremendous value here. I Three and a half is minus 210. Yeah, I can't do it. Um, I just don't see anything with good value. I think fatigue is against Papyrin, but I think quality of play is slightly for Papyrin, so it kind of washes out. It's It's very close for me. I don't have much play action on this one. 
and the game's the over-under is 41 and a half. So they're expecting a long match. If I was going mm-hmm. to take a value play, I probably would take Papyrin minus one and a half sets at plus 135. I just think he's mm-hmm. a better player than Shelton. Simply put. I, I, that personally, it scares me a little bit. I think it's going to be a war. I think it's going to go long. So I, I don't know. I think it's very possible that Shelton could pull it off or it goes five. I just think it's going to be a really long match, but the 41 and a half is such a high number. So It is, but I think you'll see at least one breaker in there, which helps. But once again, I'm talking about some yeah. value plays. I don't mind getting the hometown guy. You just beat a top 10 guy to win in four against a very young and relatively unknown American player who I think is going to be very good. I just have to acknowledge that Jari isn't a good litmus test to face off against Papyron with the crowd supporting Papyron. I think minus one and a half mm-hmm. sets at plus 135 is a decent deal. I would link to the over in games as well. I don't think there's value on it, though. I wonder if the moment might be too big for Shelton at some point. So we'll see. But I guess the one play I'm looking at is minus one and a half sets. I'm not sure if I'm going to bet it or not. But plus 135 is kind of appealing. I gotcha. I understand. Unless you'd rather take Papyron and both players to win a set. What's that at? Uh, I'd have to look it up, but basically Papyron in either four or five sets. Let me see if I can... I'm going to have to pull it up, but uh, it, it's going to be plus money, I'm assuming. So you probably get that's, that at that's plus That's my value five. play. If that's, yep, that's my value play then. I'm just going to quickly see if uh, I can actually find it right now. But as I stall... Uh, you have anything else you want to talk about besides the plus 20,000 prop? Um, I'm just uh, uh, waiting here to go for my dog. I got to give out my dog and my lock, and I'm itching to give it out. So whenever you're ready. Um, I'm looking for it. Okay, so this one book has him at minus 150. Uh, yes, Papyron to win the match and each player to win a set is plus 155. That's my play. That's my value pick. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap it up. We just went through all the matches individually. Now it's time for the fun part, going through our favorite plays. But before you get into the lock and dog segment, want to take a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by WinBet. WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the SportsCam Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are a ton of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays. And same-game parlays are especially nice in the playoffs because the NFL playoffs are here as the divisional round is going to be starting tomorrow. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100 and get $100. I like free money. I think Sam does too. Get $100 free just by betting $100 if you sign up today. Limited to state availability. And of course, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get $1,000 in free credit. Hell of a deal right there. And there's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportscampodcast.com slash winbet. So then we sent you at sportscampodcast.com slash W-I-N-N-B-E-T. Offer subject to change, offer subject to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough women is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And we're back on the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Sam, we went through all the matches for Friday night and Saturday morning. Now it's time to get into our lock and dog picks for day two of the third round. I'm going to let you go first. What is your lock for the show? 
I'm going to go with a, a matchup where we think that there's going to be a dominating performance, and that's uh, Rune versus Humbert. And even if he does win a set, Humbert, the under 16 and a half um, player total games won at minus 115. Like I explained before, even if he wins a set um, at six, then he will have to have at least 11 more to actually put go out, go to the over. At under over under sixteen and a half, I'm going with that one at minus one fifteen. Okay, and what is your dog? My dog is going to be one that you think is going to be a little closer than expected, but I think it's going to be a very good performance, and that's Tommy Paul. I'm going to go with an alternate spread of minus two and a half at plus one hundred five. I just wasn't really sold on Brooksby's win over Rude. I think Rude just really didn't play well there. He looked horrible think... the entire match. For for the record, he, he Rude did look terrible. He looked not good, and um, Brooksby, I don't think he looked amazing either to the point where he dominated on uh, Rude's Rude's performance. So I think Tommy Paul may be able to take advantage here, and I think a minus two and a half game, something as little as that, where we could see a 6-2 in there for sure at plus 105 is a great deal. That is my dog. All right, Uh, so for me... I'm going to go for my lock. I'm trying to think of what exactly I want to do here. Um, I got a lot of options. Okay. Um, you know what? For my lock, I'm going to go with uh, Dimitrov plus seven and a half games at minus 135. I think that Djokovic's current form is a serious problem. Uh, Dimitrov's given him some issues in the past. Djokovic has won the matches, but... When it's two out of three and you go three a decent amount, it means that your opponent has been a worthy opponent. And I think with Djokovic's health concerns and Dimitrov's current form, I think seven and a half on principle is way too high. I gave out a similar play with McDonald against Nadal. That cashed easily. I think you'll see a bit of a war here. So my lock will be Dimitrov plus seven and a half games at minus 135. And for my dog... I got options. What do I want to take? I'm tempted by that Papyron to win and each player to win a set at plus 155, but I'm not sure if I want to take that as my official dog. Um, You know what? I think we're just going to basically double on Rune. I'm going to go with Rune in straight sets. Uh, I think Rune is just a much better player than Umber. Umber lost a set to Kudla. Uh, once again, he's had a pretty weak schedule up to this point or weak level of competition, and you can get Rune in straight sets at plus 130. I'm a fan of that, so my dog will be Rune in straight sets at plus 130. I'm in. I'm in with you. I got the Rune. I got the Umber under, so I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, it's going to feel weird trying to fade my favorite player of all time and the greatest player of all time with the seven and a half, but that number just seems way too big. I got to judge the spot. I understand. Yep. But anyway, we'll be back once again tomorrow, Sam, for the fourth round. Yep, we'll be back tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow so we'll probably tomorrow morning, something like that. We'll probably go through a brief discussion of the third and fourth quarters again, mostly a deep dive on the first and second quarters. So just keep an eye on that. We'll also go through the entire fourth round and some of the matches we like there. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye everyone.